0: Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya, and Privyet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey catch-out podcast every friday from august the 28th however you get your podcasts and on the euro puck podcast youtube channel the euro puck podcast giving you guys european hockey you're listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl New episodes every Monday. Download at the or wherever you get your podcasts from. Rubber boots? What does that mean? It's another reason to talk about the hurricanes, and this time it's because of something that they did on the ice during the game, which is cool. Nobody in Russia's named Craig. <laughs> What's up, Siren under Podcast. Back again, Hockey Podcast Network. Um, well, that's it. That'll do it. Season officially ended, um, but, you know, a lot of good things to look back on as well. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is, you know. Hurricanes beat by the Bruins in five games in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. And um, at least we got the memory of technically a postseason series win. Uh, against the New York Rangers, who, for some reason thought that you know their fans were just real confident about that series um and you know cool, be confident in your team, but sweepy sweep uh took care of business in that one, and that 's always a good thing, but then running into the real big boys and the unfortunate thing about you know the round robin and and you know how this year had to work, and I think that the n h l picked up like I like the way they did it. I'm not saying that they should have done it differently. Um, but, you know, Boston is not a four seed. They're just not. And whether or not they were really super interested in, in playing the round robin games as anything but a, uh, a kind of, um, you know, preseason, like exhibition games, basically, uh, is how they were playing those games. Like, they didn't matter. Like, they were just Whatever. Uh, you wouldn't be ultra concerned if the bruins went 0 3 in the preseason you'd be like well obviously they're good and that's kind of what happened in the, in the in the playoffs um but the bruins are not a 4 seed so the hurricanes being the 5 seed coming out of the qualifiers you know having to match up against the 4 seed the bruins aren't aren't a 4 seed the bruins should be the 1 seed <laughs> or the 2 seed at least um so you know to me the canes were facing their toughest task right out of the gate and uh, were unable to accomplish it. but it doesn't mean that, you, know, this season's playoffs were any less successful than last season. You could actually argue in a way that they got a little closer to beating that, that better team. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Basically, this is the way that series went. you know, I, I put out episodes after all the games. I didn't do one after game four because here we are not having other games in between so this is your game four episode so I guess we can kind of go through that game I was I was honestly proud with the with the way the hurricanes came out and I expected this because who their coaches and who their their players are in their leadership group they're not a team that feels sorry for themselves and kind of gets down and can't you know rebound from from poor performances that's kind of the hurricanes of years past and I'm very glad to say that we've kind of you know, come out of that um, which is a good thing always but uh, a great start from the team Um, they get the lead and they had I think their most offensively dangerous game of the series in the first you know maybe half of the game they were they were Boston was uh, letting letting some stuff go you know making some mistakes in the neutral zone they were playing a little up and down they weren't as controlled as they usually are and the Hurricanes took advantage of that and kind of got to play their, you know, high octane brand of offense that they like to play. And never thought I'd say that sentence, by the way, as a Hurricanes fan in the last 20 years, but uh, here we are in 2020. And, you know, the Hurricanes, the only fault they had was not taking advantage of more of their chances and finishing them, but, you know, we've been there, done that. The Hurricanes tend to be a team that just capitalize on a low percentage of their chances, but create so many chances that they end up scoring enough goals to win the game. But that didn't happen in this series really at all because... The, the truth of the matter is, one, Boston's just a better team. And, uh, you know, I don't really think I'm dissing the Hurricanes by saying that. Like, it's frustrating. Trust me. I don't like Boston. Um, and I'm not a fan of them winning any series, especially against us, especially after last year. Um, but they are the better team. I mean, they they just, you know, they they have a a game plan, and they have just, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. They're, I'm also editing some stuff. <laughs> I'm not good at multitasking. I'm really sorry. Um, the Bruins just play such a good team game from top to bottom. They don't really have any flaws in their game. If anything was a flaw in their game this series, it was goaltending after Tuukka Rask uh, left the bubble for some family matters. Um, and that didn't really, you know, for once the Hurricanes finally won the goaltending battle, which seems to not happen a lot, uh, against teams that just have goalies playing out of their minds against them in, in important games. <clears throat> but, you know, it wasn't enough, and, and it's just because Boston's team defense was so good in this series. Um, it It just, it shined through that, you know, they limited the Hurricanes' chances. You saw the Hurricanes basically never get to 30 shots, and that's just... Not the kind of game that the team is used to playing. You know, they're used to, like I said, throwing up a lot of shots and and generating a high amount of chances and, you know, maybe capitalizing on not a lot of them. Maybe they're not the greatest chances ever, all of them, but they add up and eventually they end up in goals. Well, the Bruins did a great job of limiting the Hurricanes um, from the middle of the ice in in that game and that series and everything. Uh, And then just like last year, special teams was the name of the game, the Hurricanes power play that I thought looked pretty good against New York and at times looked okay against Boston really started to fall apart as that series kept going on and on and they weren't able to be that difference and And in a, in a series where Boston's so good that just being even with them is going to be a tough enough battle um, you need an advantage and your advantage is your special teams and your penalty kill has to be good enough to you know give you a bonus that they couldn't capitalize on a chance they maybe should have uh, which we didn't get. And the you know reverse of that is your power play has to be able to you know score you a goal or two to kind of put you at an advantage in a game where it's it's really hard to get anything but even the Bruins are a really hard team to just beat in general at five on five or at any any kind of the game. So you need your power play to be that extra bonus to kind of compensate for when they take over portions of games because they just will uh, they just will. And unless your goalie is standing on his head, which I thought that the Hurricanes goalie performances. Um, we're largely very, very good, um, but just crushed by you know little spur of the moment mistakes that you know will will come back to haunt the team, and it's just unfortunate. <laughs> and uh, you know, but I don't think you fault the goalies at all for this series at all. I know a lot of people want to blame Peter Morozik for that goal, um, Bergeron, and you know it, it wasn't he he didn't he messed up like he messed up, and James Brimer messed up. In game four by, you know, trying to play a puck that just why, like, why are you trying to play that? Not necessary to do. Just stay in your net and you're probably fine. And the Hurricanes, you could argue that they might go to win that game and we would still be talking about games happening right now uh, in the first round if that's the case. But we're not. Um, And again, I don't think it's the goalie's fault at all. They played very, very well and it was just a couple mistakes that killed them. And, you know, you could say that about the team as well. I thought that the Hurricanes were a little shaky in the neutral zone at times. And, and all this, like these aren't mistakes that I'm just, I don't think the Hurricanes didn't play well. I thought that they they did play largely well. Like they didn't play poorly. It looks like they played poorly in every game and couldn't do anything because Boston, that's their game plan. And they executed. And they executed their game plan better than the Hurricanes were able to execute theirs. Uh, in large part to the fact that Boston's team defense is so so good. And I mean, if you've listened to anything I've said, you understand that my my philosophy on good teams is that your defense leads to offense. You obviously have to have guys that can score, which Boston does, a lot of them. Um and, you know, arguably the best goal scorer in the league this season, tied for the league leading goals before the season was suspended. And David Pasternak, who they didn't even need for um, you know, half the series to to get the win they also have you know brad marchand who's you know (laughs) whatever you want to say about him it's hard to say that he's not you know an elite player on both ends of the ice really um which is frustrating but it is it is the truth and patrice bergeron just perennially you know a candidate for the selkie trophy and you saw the reason why in this series because he is that good on both sides of the ice he's he's dangerous in the offensive zone he's amazing at face-offs and he takes care of business in his own zone, and he's so good at shutting down every every other player in the league. There is not a player in the league that can match up against Patrice Bergeron and just have their way. There's no way, it doesn't exist. So if you can do both those things, uh, you are just truly elite. And the Bruins have a lot of those players that you know have just been around. They've built that that team, and they um, they're going to be that good until guys age out. And you know that might happen in a few years, but for right now, Boston's just enjoying you know a well-built team. With a lot of pieces that that play a certain way together, they're just a well-built team. Like if I was any team in the league, I'd be looking to Boston as kind of the model for how to build a team. They they really don't have, if they have any weaknesses, it's it's you know like a Zdeno Chara on defense being slow, but he still Zdeno Chara and he's huge, and he's just hard to move and like you can get by on defense like that. So, um, that that just it was just the the better team playing better. Making the Hurricanes look like a worse team than they are, just from executing their you know their style of play. And you know once you once you let them get up, I thought the penalty kill needed needed to be better um, to control the Bruins you know elite power play, and it just wasn't. And they they let them kind of pass, have every pass that they wanted. They didn't get sticks in the lanes. They didn't block enough shots. Uh, I'm not saying it was from lack of trying. I'm just it's execution. Like the Bruins executed and the Hurricanes uh, tried to execute, but but. Couldn't pull it off. So um, again, it's just facing a team that's really, really good, and the Hurricanes are close, but uh, there's still some stuff they need to work on. Obviously, the absence of a guy like Andrei Svechnikov is going to hurt any <laughs> any uh, series where you're you know neck and neck or or just slightly behind the other team in in skill level. So you need all those guys to come to play, and it's unfortunate that, that injury happened. I think that Joel Edmondson was also a huge miss uh, for the Hurricanes him being out in that series. I thought they played much better when he was in, um, just better at getting pucks out that physicality, the penalty kills better. He's just a shot blocking machine. And, um, you know, we'll get to kind of these guys. And I know a lot of you are wondering, you know, well, oh, the season's over. What are we doing with everybody? What do we need? Um, and we'll get there. And I might, uh, I think that's going to be next week's episode if you're looking for it, but keep listening to the rest of this one, you know, cause there's other things, but, uh, I think I'm going to dedicate next week's episode to kind of, this is what I did last year too, and I think this is going to be my model just going forward in general. And the off seasons is uh, first week after the season ends is kind of looking at the team, who the team has that are going to be free agents, who they should resign, who they should let go, you know, kind of what the game plan is for building the roster based off of what they already have. The week after that, we'll be, you know, kind of seeing who could this team bring in from outside of the organization or, Via a trade opportunity or something like that to help build their roster and kind of fill the pieces that they don't have on the roster. Um, so look out for that next couple weeks. I will definitely have that for you, and uh, you know, give you my opinions on that. Um, but going back to the Boston series, you know, it is what it is. Series is over. Um, yeah, a lot of people want to blame the officiating, which I'm look. I'm here for the the point of view of the officiating was terrible. I think that most people that watch that series would agree with that, too. Um, you know, all biases removed. they just it it was so consistently called poorly. but not even. it was it was it was actually inconsistent because I've never I've I mean maybe I have. I probably have, but I just didn't pay attention to it enough because I wasn't a fan of one of the teams. but i haven't I haven't watched a, a series in which so almost every bad call was against one team and i'm not saying i'm not a proponent by the way of oh we need to call bad calls on them to even it out because i don't want a series in which the entire game is just not being called by the rules and we're just giving out power plays to give up like power plays are not part of the game by design you get a power play if the other team commits a penalty that's the only reason not because the refs decide you need one like that's stupid i don't want to i don't want to watch that game um but just every, every poor call, every wrong call, every blatantly wrong call, not even arguable. Some of them were just wrong. Um, every weak call, you know, that is a stretch of the rule, the definition of the rule. And every missed call where it's clearly a penalty and the refs just watch it and let it happen. It all went against the Hurricanes in that series. And I'm not whining. Again, you if you've listened to any of these episodes in the past week or two, you understand that my point of view is that the refs don't lose you the game um, you know, in 99.99% of cases. Now you could argue that if, you know, a call was wrong that they made on the ice, like it was just against the rules and the team scores in overtime or something like that, then yeah, maybe the refs had a hand in losing you the game, but you also have, you can't, you can't look at that in a vacuum. You have to look at the game in general. And, um, you know, I will say it again. I thought the, And we can argue this with Game 5, but I thought that in general. The games where the Hurricanes were the better team on the ice, they won. And that was Game 2. Every other game, I thought that Boston was the better team in the game. It might have been close at times. Other times, not so much. Um, And in Game 4, it was kind of the Hurricanes for a large period of time. But at the end of the game, for the third period, you know, um, the Bruins did what they did. And we're not going to think about that one anymore. I'm done with that. Um... And Game Five, I thought that the Canes were really good, and then just mistakes, and then just you see what happens when a team like that's so good at defense can just decide we're done, and this team is not getting anything else on us, and the Bruins did that to a T, and I respect the crap out of teams that can do that, honestly. Um, you know, if I were the Hurricanes, I'd be looking at a team like Dallas, and if you just saw the game um, against the Avalanche, and I think that series is going to be a great series. I picked Dallas to win it. Um, but the Colorado is, is so good. Um, you know, everywhere it sucks that, uh, Grubauer went down. I think that's going to hurt them a lot, but you know, you look at a team like Dallas and they are just so good from top to bottom defensively. Um, and just playing the game that way. Columbus is the same way. It's why it's the reason why they were able to beat Tampa last year. Um, and it's the reason why this year, even with, you know, pieces missing and people want to say that they have no offense, they obviously still do. I think that's kind of a myth. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Foligno, um, Cam Atkinson, like all the, I mean, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski on the back end. I mean, they have pieces, okay? Just as much as many other teams in similar positions. And uh, Columbus is not a fluke. They're a good team. And they play, but they play that gritty, grindy style that I thought the Hurricanes played last season. And to be honest, I think that's a more dangerous style. Like the Hurricanes are caught in between... They need to find a middle ground, and I hope that they do that in, in the in the next season here, um, which you know we only have. It'll I guess be a shortened off season, and we'll see. Like it's not like they've announced anything as to when the next season will start. My um, my understanding is that it will probably be in you know like a January time frame, beginning of the new year type deal, which is weird, but whatever. <laughs> um, but my point is, last year's hurricanes, gritty, grindy team. Doesn't have the most skill in the world, but has you know top-end talent that aren't superstars, but can score and can make plays and can do things. And I'm talking about you know Aho, Tara Vinen, um, you know for stretches Andrei Svechnikov, a, a young kid who's still learning but still puts up 20 goals. Um, you know, the defense being what they are, like Jacob Slavin having a great year and Dougie Hamilton, you know, having a great second half. All these sort of things—they add up. Like the the team has players that can score. Justin Williams having the kind of um, you know statistically relevant season that he did it was extremely impressive. And Nino you know, Niederreiter, and after the trade, the second half he had was unbelievable. So it's not like the team can't score, um, but they they did it without the quote unquote you know unbelievable superstar player. You know the Nathan McKinnon, the Connor McDavid the guys like that you you don't you don't have to have that if you have that it's amazing and it helps so much but look at Edmonton i mean how many superstar players do they have at least two in Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and they've got a lot of you know pretty impressive offensive pieces but their team defense is just not good it's it's too easy to score on them i would say the same thing about a team like toronto their team defense is not good and it hasn't been for a while and everyone's known that Offense does not—you can't just run with, you know, run-and-gun offense all year and expect to get anything but a President's Trophy possibility out of it. And even then, it's hard to do. Um, The best teams have a great defense, and the better your offense can be, great. Like Tampa Bay, I mean, they have really good defensive pieces— and they play good team defense. They're not the best at it, but their offense is also absolutely unreal. And their goaltending is, I, you know, for my money, one of the top three goalies in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. Um, so that's like that's the recipe right there. But if you're going to lean one way, offense or defense, you gotta lean defense. And the defense puts you in the offensive zone more. So even if your guys aren't outskilled if you're just spending more time in the offensive zone you will win games that way I think the Hurricanes of last year proved that that was you know a possibility now I think the Hurricanes of last year needed more skill to get by the Bruins of the of the league and that's why they ran into that wall in the Eastern Conference final and you know we're probably lucky to get there but it was a great run and and they did it with character I thought Um, the, the Canes of this year added some more skill even though some of the skill they they added didn't quite work out um, you know, you think about Ryan Dezingle and what you were probably expecting out of him this year was definitely not what you got. Um, even if Vincent Trocek at the deadline um, showed flashes of brilliance, but you were expecting probably more points out of him, which, you know, I'm not ragging on the guy. I love Vincent Trocek. I think his game was phenomenal. I think he was one of the better two-way players as well and probably one of the best players in that Boston series, but that's a different story. Um, you know, Jake Gardner, who has my respect now. I mean, Jake picked it up at the end of the season and these playoffs, I thought he played very, very well. Um, thought he deserved to be in the lineup every game that he was in. And um, you know, some of those guys like that, and then of course Dougie getting hurt doesn't help, but your your skill guys that you brought in, the the one that worked out the most, I would say, is, is Marty Natchez as a rookie who's able to crack the lineup. But these guys also, you know, are not great two way players and that you just need that. So you look down the line, okay, Aho and Teravion, I'd say, are, are, are very solid two-way players. That's fantastic. Svechnikov's getting there, and his physicality is a, is a major bonus, so that kind of puts him even uh, as far as, you know, offense and defense. He's able to keep up. Like, he's not a complete liability out there. He's helpful getting pucks out because he can throw his body around and he battles hard, which is important for a skilled player. Uh, and it's why he's so valuable and why losing him in that series was such a, such a blow to the team. Move to the second line, you know, you've got, or whatever you want to call the second line. We move down to, like, Jordan Stahl. Um, you know, Jordan Stahl is elite defensively most of the time, um, but, you know, offense, where is it? So that's a checking guy. You know, that's a guy you can rely on to shut the team down, and I think that he was doing that very well against Boston. Um, you know, it's unfortunate the way Game 4 ended with his injury, and then the the collapse after that I don't think was a coincidence, that it, the way it was timed after that injury. And then you got guys like Justin Williams, who never really was able to find his offense, and you know it's not really surprising because it's he already took a long time to warm up in the regular season, and finally got going, and then here's this huge break again. So what do you really expect? I would expect him to start warming up, and I think he did. I think he was starting to warm up, but it was too late at that point. Um, And you know, not elite defensively, but can can hold his own, I guess. So just going through the lineup, like the Hurricanes. They're, they're really talented offensive stars. I mean, a Ryan, a Ryan Dezingle that is more offense than defense, uh, a Marty Natchez that is more offense than defense, and, and the gap between those two has to get closer, and it will, uh, especially with a guy like Natchez. I think that he's, he's very well cut out to um, learn and, and be coached, and, and I think that he improved vastly. It's the reason why he was in the NHL this year instead of in the AHL like last season um, because he was able to bridge that gap a little better. But you look at a guy like Morgan Geeky who came in. I think he's already there at that point where, you know, his defensive game is good enough um, to, to play in this league. And so that's what you're looking for from guys. The more of those guys the Hurricanes have, the offensive power is a bonus. But they need more guys. They don't need just grinders, you know. You can't have a team of fourth liners. But your 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 top six, the majority of your top six, and especially like a third line threat, you know, that can score twenty a season but still be on a shutdown line I mean that that almost doesn't exist like it's very hard to acquire that but that's the goal um, but the defense the, the responsibility all of your players have to be two-way players and once you that that will never happen to the degree that you want it but that's always the goal you're chasing and, and once this team can get to the point where everyone can you know win their battles along the boards more you know they got to get better at face offs too that's a big thing um, for possession driving and get a little more physical, all that sort of stuff, is is what makes the team more dangerous. So getting back to the original point, I know you're probably having a hard time following this line of thought, but this is all stream of consciousness coming off my brain. Um, the Canes, last season, too little skill, but good grinding ability to win games that way. Kind of like the Islanders was a little more top-end talent. Okay, um, Then you move to this season, added some more... Um, skill to line lineup, albeit some guys need a rider to zingle Gardner for the first half of the season, not necessarily panning out the way the Hurricanes would hope them to, um, but lost a little bit of grit, a little bit of physicality, made them, to me, easier to play against, and lost a lot of games against grinding teams. It's the reason why they struggled so much against Dallas. It's the reason why they struggled so much against Columbus. And it's the reason why they were able to have success against, you know, teams that might run and gun more. It's the reason why the Hurricanes have been able to beat Toronto a lot in the last however many years. And I hate to keep bashing on the Leafs. I mean, I don't really. I don't mind it at all, actually. But, um, you know, it's a, that, that model doesn't work. All offense, pond hockey in the NHL doesn't work. If you can play defense and you have somewhat reliable goaltending and guys that can score, you'll win more games than a team that's all offense and has defensive liabilities all over their lineup. You just will. And so it doesn't make sense to, to build a team that way. So the Hurricanes, to me, are calibrating, and I hope that next year they can get a little more you know, grit and, and add that to the skill um, and come out as a team that's harder to play against with the skill to capitalize on their chances. And I think that's, that's deadly. If the Hurricanes achieve that, you know, they're a perennial contender. So that's the goal. And that's kind of the season in review, if you will. Um, you know we were talking about the officiating i I didn't like it I didn't like the inconsistency. I didn't like the fact that all the bad calls seemed to go against the hurricanes, but I really didn't like um just the the breakdown and the protocols like common sense has to run the rules at 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 a certain point. We're not just making up rules arbitrarily, you know like we're making them all for a purpose, the purpose is for the game to be played, the integrity of the game to be upheld, right. Uh, you want to see guys compete, but you want to see them do it under some constraints so that it's not just mayhem out there. And so when you set up something like video review, and we're going back to game one, where, you know, the the Morozic hand pass covered under the glove, like, how is it not either a hand pass or blown dead because he has possession? Like, you've, you've already had my point of view. It was just the wrong call. It didn't make sense. But the way the refs communicated that to Brendan Moore and basically telling him he had to pick one or the other... They weren't going to tell him what the call on the ice was. Like, why are you? what, What that screamed to me was, like, I'm not going to let you get the better of us. Like, that's not what it is, ref. Nobody's, to me, I'm not upset if you messed up, okay? Because it's really hard to do, and that's why we have review in general. Like, it's okay to mess up. But when you mess up, just be able to fix it. Like, there should be pride in looking at it and be like, oh, no, 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 that was wrong. Let's fix it. Because then you made the right call. Like, now you're being a good ref. Like, it's not easy to make that second decision. Most of us can't do it. Like, even watching on TV, you can't do it. You have to watch a million views, and then you're an expert, and you're like, oh, well, the referees don't get to do that, except in review. So why are we playing these games in in the reviews? Like, tell the man what the call on the ice is. If you say the call on the ice is um, a good goal because Mrazic gained possession then I'm going to challenge for goalie interference and say that well he had it covered and the reason why it came out is because they made contact with him and then you review it and the review comes up well it was goalie interference cuz we we're acknowledging that he had possession which they did like it doesn't make sense i'm not going to go back to it but they basically were asking him to pick one or the other and no matter what they were going to use the reasoning like false reasoning like if they, if he said it was a hand pass they're going to say nope not a hand pass because Moracic covered it and that's what they said but it, if he covered it, then the play's dead. So if he challenged that, they would have been like, no, well, it, w- it wasn't a hand pass, you know? Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So I just, I don't understand um, kind of the logic there. And, uh, you know, Brendan Moore's frustrations to me and, you know, him getting fined and all that kind of, it was more of, you could tell it was just his frustration with not even, I mean, the officials for just like not making sense. But he's upset because where's the common sense, you know, logic? Like, why are you playing games? This is your goal and the coach's goal should be, let's make sure the right call gets called. Like, that should be the referee's goal. And it's not. And it's like, what are you out there for then? You know, what are you out there for if not to make the right call? It doesn't make any sense. So that was just frustrating. You know, they fine Rod $25,000. And this is just the league. It's just so frustrating. The league refuses to accept any kind of criticism. I get it. I I get it. You know, you can't can't just stand up in a press conference and, you know, trash your CEO. You probably won't have your job for long. (laughs) So I get why they do that. But how about acknowledging... It's like they're always defending their officials. Even when their officials were blatantly wrong... And are the reason why the coach is so upset. Like, the coach is just upset at the situation. So come out and say, like, hey, don't call us out like that, but we're willing to acknowledge that we did some stuff wrong and we'll learn from it. Like, that would be a better... But they don't do that. It's really annoying, and that's why this stuff will continue to happen. And their response will always just be, oh, we'll we'll just find the guys who criticize us. Well, how about spending some time fixing the problem? Like, Rod Brendamore has been an advocate for give the referees more tools to do their job right. Like, have a guy you know, watching video so that he can quickly, after every penalty call or whatever, just kind of look at it in real time and be like, no, 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 that's wrong. Or like, yep, that was a good call. That would that would make their lives so much easier. We'd get so many more right calls out of it and it would go faster. Like, we have the technology. Use it. Why is it easier for me to make the determination of whether something was against the rules or not? Watching on TV, because I have all these angles and stuff. They they have the access to that stuff. Let them use it. Like, <laughs> give them the opportunity to make the right calls, it's just so frustrating to watch and and all that. Anyway, it is what it is. Um, but the you know a guy like Rod Branamore getting fined for that is frustrating. Um, and I understand what the rules are, but <clears throat> it's frustrating when a guy is just venting his frustration about a, a crazy incident. The NHL should be coming out and saying that's unacceptable. The way that went is not how it's supposed to go. But instead, they just find you know a guy that should be a hall of flame, hall of fame, hall of fame player. Um, and is so well-respected, and, and not one to just, you know, outwardly criticize anybody. Like, they won't find Tortorella for basically just <laughs> making a mockery of press... Like, why does he even show up to the press conferences, you know? He's like the Marshawn Lynch of the NHL. And I'm not even dissing Torts. Like, here's another thing. He's right to, to tell you guys to basically fuck off when you ask these stupid, stupid questions. Every... You know what? Let's, let's do this. Yes, sir! Oh, wrong button. And now it's time for Zach's Rant what of the week. week. Tune out now. You've been warned. Why is every, and I mean almost every single question asked in a press conference, the dumbest question? None of us care about the answer. And also the answer is a cliche. You can't be a reporter that's like, oh, all the answers I ever get are cliche answers. Well, you're setting it up. Like, hey, coach, I know that that third period was hard for you guys. You know, how'd you get through it? Like, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? He's going to be like, well, we tried to just play the way we are supposed to play. And, you know, we did it. Like, (laughs) duh. Like, I, I don't even know that there's really a lot of good questions you could ask. Other than just, you know, I get it. You're just trying to pick the coach's brain on what his opinion was on it. Um, but you already know the answer. And also, let's get rid of these, hey, let me show you that I know about the game. Let's get rid of these statement questions also. When guys are like, coach, a guy like, you know, the penalty kill is so important in that third period. A guy like Sebastian Ajo is able to get on the penalty kill and being, you know, such a good two-way player is such a good help for the team. Just talk a little bit about, you know, what that player means to your team. Dude, get out of here. Get out of here, because what you're doing is you're trying to be like, I know a lot about hockey. Let me show everyone, and then, you know, get the coach a chance to agree with me, and then everyone will be like, wow, the coach, who's a respected person, agreed with me. So obviously, that guy knows a lot about hockey. Fuck off. So annoying. So fucking egotistical. I hate those questions. Don't ask those questions. The other questions that drive me insane are just, like, questions that... Uh, who's who cares like i get it you're trying to get questions for your articles but like your article's gonna suck if these are all the quotes like it's gonna suck who cares it's the reason why i don't read so many articles because it's like i could tell you what this article is gonna be about you know they're gonna be like oh we played well that's it's gonna be the extent of the or like yeah we made mistakes and we need to be better like duh we all know this these questions are not unique they're all asking the same questions and you know tortorella that's what you get you know, when you ask a guy a stupid question, or how about when he came out of the game and he was like, look, I'm going to stop you right here. Uh, I'm not going to do a breakdown of the game. Like we saw what happened. The overall sentiment is that we sucked and they were good. Okay? And then the next four questions were like, uh, coach, so, you know, what? talk about what happened in the third period. And he's just like, we sucked and they were good. The, the next person is like, uh, coach, you know, um, what was your message in the locker room? How do you how do you get your players to kind of bounce back? And he's like, I just fucking, I just told you, I wasn't going to answer any of these questions. And you fire off six in a row that are the same thing. And then you you like, you know, <laughs> criticize the guy like, oh, well, he's not answering our questions. Like, he let you know, he let you know what it was going to be like right from the start. And you just you just did it anyway. Like, what did you expect? I don't understand. Good for John Tortorella for you know. Not answering stupid questions. If I were a coach, I would be like, I'm not going to answer stupid questions. Okay. Ask me a good question. You'll get a good answer. If you ask me a stupid question, I'm going to answer with something stupid. Like, I'll, I'll answer it in a way that doesn't even make sense. I would be, they would be like, you know, in the second period, the team kind of uh, was in a bit of a lull to start, but then really finish strong. You know, talk about the things that, first of all, to- having talk about in your question, like, ugh, just fucking stop talking after that. You talk about leaving the room. Because that's a bad question. Okay, talk about questions. Let's get rid of those. Um, anyway, the rest of that question would be talk about the things that you know made you guys successful and and able to get some scoring chances where in the first half of the period you weren't able to really do it. I would be like, um, yeah, you know, our goalies were really good, and the reason why we put those guys out there and is they have good practices, and we we know that they're going to be you know keeping us in games and uh, you know really engaged and and giving our players confidence to. Go out there and make plays knowing that they got a guy there to bail them out. And everyone would be like, what? They asked a question about the second period and he just talked about goalies. Like, what is, what? And I would be like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen, you know? I want them to be like, coach, what's your favorite color? And I'd be like, blue. Thanks, next question. That was a good question. And I would tell everyone that was a good question. And if you don't get a, that was a good question from me, then you know you asked this shitty question and be better. And that's the way it is. Or I would be like <laughs> this this would be me, okay? Reporter. They'd be like, Oh, you know, Chelsea Statenberg from the you know, news and observer. What's your question? And she would be like, Coach, <laughs> how do you get your players motivated to go out there and play in a in an elimination game, you know, and the emotions of that how do you how do you kind of keep those in check? I'd be like, um, you know, these guys do this every game, and uh, every game is emotional. So it's pretty much the same thing as any, almost any other game. And that was a 4 out of 10. Thanks. That's how I would end every question. I would rate them out of 10. And uh, if you get a bad question, you should feel bad. And that's just how it should be. That the, Press conferences would be better if coaches rated the questions out of 10. I think that that would be great. And they would just be like, that was a 1. Like, get, give up. Walk out of the room. And also, if you get a 1, if the coach rates you 1 out of 10, you have to just... Put your note. Thank you. And you put your notebook down or whatever your your fucking recorder or your iPhone or whatever, and you just leave. You walk out of the room. You're kicked out. I want to, I want press conferences to be like Survivor in a locker room or what or in a you know, at a, in a media room. I want it to be Survivor. I want everyone to ask a question and you get kicked out for asking a dumb question until we get only the people asking good questions left, and then we go. Good job. You guys win. You win the press conference. Congratulations. Make that a game too. If you, I'm giving you ideas, NHL. You should be taking notes right now, for sure. Ah, all right, well, you know, cool. <laughs> we've, we've divulged to the nonsense portion of the, of the podcast, and that's my favorite part. Let's go, um, if you're like me, the Hurricanes are out, and you're like, who am I rooting for now? Well, let me tell you who I have money on in this bracket challenge I have with my friends. Let me start this by saying, um, I picked the Hurricanes to go all the way so right off the bat, out of the first round, uh, I have the least possible points, um, you know, left to get. Like, it has nothing to do with how many I got right, but it means that going forward, I have the least possible points that I could get if I got everything right because my Stanley Cup champion is out, and that's a bummer. <laughs> but I have confidence. None of my other friends picked the Hurricanes to win, and that I'm offended by that, you know? Have faith in your team, you know? It's not about logic. It's about blind faith in your team. And, uh, you know, calling you all out thomas aj christina and brendan your pieces of shit for not picking the hurricanes and uh everyone needs to know that so there it is but look who's in first place your boy is in first place and uh these were my picks in the east um i had philly winning in six they did it i also got the games right a lot um i had columbus winning in seven i was just i was really excited also let me say as a as a kind of disclaimer on this I didn't know that we were putting money on this. Everyone else apparently understood that, and I wasn't paying attention to the group chat. And so I was just like, I'm going to be real aggressive with these picks. And if I get them right, then I'm going to be like, yeah, fuck you guys. I'm better than you at predicting things. Uh, but if I had money down, I probably would have picked Tampa Bay. But I didn't. I really was rooting for Columbus to beat them two years in a row just because of the non the freaking anarchy that would cause. And I, I'd, be, I'd be on board for it. But they didn't. So I missed that one. Uh, Tampa won that series. I had... Uh, Isles and Five, and you know that if you if you listen to me at all, I had Isles and Five like for a while i've been saying that since the before the series started. I was like Isles and Five baby Isles and five it's going to happen. I have a feeling that the Islanders are just going to shit on the capitals, and what do you know? My intuition pays off Isles and Five was correct, so I got both of the ones I got right in the Eastern Conference, and I got the games right too, so I killed that portion uh, and then I said Carolina in six, and uh, we're not talking about that one, so back up in the West. <clears throat> I said Vegas in five, got that one right. So, so far, all the ones I get right, I get the games right too. Um, I said Colorado in five, or no, I said Colorado in four, actually. Thought they were going to sweep. They did it in five. Damn it, Darcy Quimper, for being so, Kimper, however the fuck you say his name, for being so good in that one game. Um, I could have got more points, if not for you, and I need them. I said Dallas in six. That happened, got that one right, and I said Vancouver in seven, only took them six. To me, I should get a bonus point for that because I was like, well, they're going to win, but it's going to be difficult, and my pick was even better than I thought it was going to be, so I got all the West right. I picked Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, and Vancouver. Boom. Nailed it. Um, Going back to the East, um, so the only teams I have left in the East now are Philly and the Islanders. I picked uh, Carolina to beat the Islanders, so... Doesn't really matter if they win or lose. I can only get points from the Flyers. So we need the Flyers to win. So root for the Flyers. Um, And then on the Western side, I have everybody in. And I picked Vegas to beat Vancouver. And I picked um, Dallas to beat Colorado. And people were giving me shit about that. Because everybody was picking Colorado to go to the finals. And I was just like, Colorado's great. I'm telling you, y'all are sleeping on Dallas, though. I'm telling you, you're sleeping on them. They're so good. And did you watch game one? Like, yeah, they're really good. So uh, I'm pretty confident in that one. Um, then I have in the Eastern Conference Finals, well, it's down to just Philadelphia and I picked the Hurricanes to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, uh, can't get any more points from them. So just root for Philadelphia and then who cares what happens after that. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, I have Vegas and Dallas and I have Dallas winning that too. I have Dallas, I had Dallas and Carolina in the Stanley Cup Finals because I'm here for mayhem. That's what I live for. So I was rooting for the mayhem and also I didn't know this had money on it. Um, but I'm in here I am in first place. Sometimes that's the way it works, you know? It's like you're it's like um getting your buddy that doesn't watch sports ever to fill out your March Madness bracket and he just like kills it, you get first place. And he has no he's just guessing. Like that's what it's about. Sometimes that's what you got to do to win. If you think about it too much, you lose. You overthink it. Um so I got Dallas and Carolina in the finals. Obviously that can't happen for Carolina unfortunately, and I had Carolina win the Stanley Cup because I'm a real one. And my friends are losers. Um, so those are the teams you got to root for let's go Dallas is what we're saying and if you want to root for Colorado um, that's fine but if you're a real if you're a real listener you know you'll root for Dallas and root for my wallet because uh, we got to make some recoveries from the qualifiers I lost a little bit of money to my buddies and I'm trying to get it back you know we all put 20 bucks in so there's what five of us I get 80 dollars so I technically get 100 but 20 of it's mine so me giving myself 20 dollars is kind of just a moral victory um, pat on my back you know, good job, bud. You won. Anyway, those are the people you should root for. Um, you know, I've derailed this episode. I don't even care. You'll still listen. You you could have turned it off, but I won't know that. And it won't hurt my feelings. And when I get the plays, you still you still I still get a play from you, you know? So talk about moral victories. But alright. <laughs> That'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter, follow at hockeypodnet. Check out the podcast. You're going to hear like a commercial at the top of every episode um, for a different show on the Hockey Podcast Network. Go check those out um, and support the network. Follow on Twitter. Watch out for uh, some cool giveaways. Get some free stuff. And I'll be back on Monday. And again, on Monday, we're going to go through, um, you know, the Hurricanes off-season decision. So if that's what you were looking for in this episode, well, it'll be there next week and the week after that. So look out for that. Hope you're excited about it. Let's go, Canes. Um, See you next Monday.